This morning's scripture reading will be from Psalms 126, verses 1 through 3. Psalms 126, verses 1 through 3. And I'll be reading from the King James Version. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. Good morning. It's a blessing to see you, to look out in the audience and not see puppets. That was, um, there was a time in the last three months when we had puppets in the auditorium, I guess to make Jordan and I feel a little bit more at ease while we were uh, preaching and teaching, but it was a little unsettling to look at puppets. <laughs> I'm really, really glad to see you. It's wonderful to be together as God's people, and we're thankful that, that He has allowed us to come to this point in our history. My family, I don't know if your family's had this conversation, but we had this conversation last night. For the last 12 or so weeks, we've been praying every night at 8 o'clock, and and we've been asking God repeatedly that we could have the opportunity to be together. We've been praying about the pandemic and, and that's still ongoing obviously. And there's still some, some things that we need to do as a people to, to be sensitive to that. But the, the conversation we had was, do we keep on with the eight o'clock prayer? And uh, we've, we've made some adjustments in our family and I know that you'll do that as well. But as you think about what we've been doing We've been putting intentionally our trust and our petitions before an almighty and an all loving God. We've been asking him repeatedly to bless us and to, and to restore us to a place where we could do exactly what we're doing this morning. And God has answered our prayer, hasn't he? We need to give him thanks and praise for that. Would you bow with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful this morning as we gather as your people that you've heard us and that you've answered our prayers. Father, we know that the world is still in, in a difficult place and we, we are sensitive to, to what's going on around us. And Father, we pray that you'll help us to be a light and, and a, a voice of faith in, in times like this. But Father, we're so thankful that, that you have answered our prayers. God, help us not to forget things that are important. Help us always to remember what you want us to. And may you be glorified in all that we say, think, and do. Through Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. There are some things that it is especially important not to forget. And it really bothers me personally how easily we forget. How easy it is to forget things that we really shouldn't. There was a time in my life when I could remember appointments and events in my future. I didn't have to write them down. But as I got older, and especially as I had kids, all of a sudden I found that if I didn't write things down, it was so easy to forget really important things that should be on my calendar. It also ought to concern us how quickly we forget. How quickly we abandon and forget about great events and great deliverances. The Israelites had just left Egypt God had brought them miraculously through the Red Sea. And when they came to Mount Sinai, just a few days later, the Israelites, they made a golden calf and bowed down and worshiped that and said, this is our God. 
how easily and how quickly we forget. I want to talk to you this morning about the discipline of remembering. The discipline of remembering. And the reason why I'm talking to you about this this morning is because I don't know if you've stopped to think about what all has changed even in our life as a body of God's people just in the last three months to say nothing of the last 40 years. What's changed? What's different? You look around and you think about what we're doing today and what's different in our life and our experiences. We never used paperless hymnal before all this began. We always had songbooks before this began. Those are just some minor things. There's a lot that's different. But how easily and how quickly we forget the greatness of God and his blessings. I believe that every time someone leaves the Lord, I believe part of the problem is that they've forgotten. Part of the problem is that they've forgotten. That's why the Hebrews writer says in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, that we must give the more earnest heed to the things that we've learned, lest we drift away. There are some things that it's especially important to remember. Don't forget to remember. The psalmist in Psalm 126, verses 1 through 3 that Joe read just a moment ago, he was talking about how the Israelites for 70 years had been in captivity, and God had promised that he was going to deliver them. And for 70 years, they looked forward to that time, they prayed about that time, and finally that time arrived. And the psalmist says, we were like those who dream. We were overjoyed. God has done great things for us, and we are glad. There are times in the life of every congregation and in the life of every Christian, where we ought to be able to say, the Lord has done great things for us, and we're glad we remember. A vibrant faith has three dimensions. Dimension number one, a vibrant faith has to do with the past. If our faith is really vibrant, if it's really living, if it really pleases God, we will remember the past. Luke 1 verse 49, Mary says, he who is mighty has done, past tense, great things for me, and holy is his name. If our faith really is what God would have it to be, there is an element of our faith, and that's what we're talking about this morning, that deals with the past, what God has done for us. A vibrant faith also deals with our present. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. Present tense. I'm living my daily life by putting my trust in God and in his word. I believe that what this book tells me is the right basis for making judgments and decisions about my life. So faith deals with the past and faith deals with my present. And a vibrant faith, as you can obviously see, deals with the future. He himself has said, Hebrews 13, verse 5, I will never, future tense, leave you nor forsake you. Real faith deals with past, present, and future. And one of the real problems that Christians face, one of the real problems that congregations face, is that we leave the past out of our faith. That we abandon the past, that we forget the past. And when that happens, our faith is incomplete. He who is mighty has done great things for me. Three questions this morning as we think about remembering at its essential part in our faith. 
three questions to answer. And question number one is this, what if we forget? What if the things that God has done, the great and mighty works, what if we just forget about those? It's easy to do. We can do it very quickly. It doesn't cost anything to forget. And really, we can go along for a while having forgotten the great things God has done. And really, we don't notice any discernible changes, at least for a while. But what happens if we forget? Some things to think about. In the first place, when we forget the great things that God has done, Brethren, it offends God. God loves us. He is concerned about us. He is working actively in our lives. And it is offensive to him when we forget what he has done and is doing in our lives. In Jeremiah 2, verse 32, the prophet Jeremiah, speaking for God, says, Can a virgin forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. That's God speaking. And he's saying, has it ever been the case that a bride got to the church building on her wedding day and said, oops, I left my dress at home? Does that happen? Does she, does she show up and think that everything's going to just be fine without her remembering to bring the right attire? It's important to remember. And God says, it is wrong and it is offensive to me when you fail to remember. In Luke chapter 17, Jesus healed 10 lepers and he told them to go and to cleanse them or to show themselves to the priests that they had been cleansed and only one came back. You remember what Jesus asked in Luke 17? He said, were there not 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? It's offensive when we, when we forget. Secondly, what happens when we forget? We personally become unstable, unsteady. We're not on solid ground when we forget the great things that God has done. In Psalm 78, verse 7, the psalmist was talking about teaching future generations. He said, we've got to implant these spiritual principles in our kids. We've got to do this so that they, our kids, may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. We want to implant, the psalmist said, into future generations the great things God has done, lest they become unstable. Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7, Paul writes to his brethren and says, As you therefore have, past tense, received Jesus Christ, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as you have been taught, past tense. What Paul wanted his brethren to do was to remember, to remember what they've been taught, to remember their relationship with Jesus Christ. He wanted them to remember those things so that there wouldn't be instability and uncertainty. When we forget, we become unstable. What happens when we forget? It encourages idolatry. Human beings are a lot like planets. We need a sun to orbit around. We just do. We need something that's the center of our life that everything else in our, our life revolves around. We need that. And if God is not going to be our son, if Jesus Christ is not going to be the center of our universe, something else has to replace him. Has to. It's just the way life works. We have to have a set of principles or an idea or a person around which our life is focused. 
And when we forget that God is our son, that he's our center, it encourages idolatry. In Deuteronomy 4, verse 23, take heed to yourselves, Moses said, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make for yourselves a carved image in the form of anything which the Lord your God has forbidden you. What's the passage teaching? It's teaching that when I forget God and when I leave him, I'm going to replace him with something else. I can replace God with a lot of things. I can replace God with an idol made of wood or stone or gold or silver, but I could also replace God with an ideology, maybe a political ideology. I could replace God with a sport or a leisure or recreational entertainment. I could replace God with a lot of things, but my life is gonna revolve around something. And when we forget God and the great things he's done, it encourages idolatry. What happens when we forget? My desires come first. They become the priority. Christianity is a life of death to self, self-denial. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Luke 9 verse 23. That's what Jesus says. It's about self-denial. But when I forget, then all of a sudden my desires and what I want, those become the focus. In Psalm 106, verses 13 and 14, the psalmist said, talking about those Israelites that left Egypt, they soon quickly forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tested God in the desert. When we forget the great things that God has done, our desires become the focus. How do I feel? What do I want? That's what's important. When we forget, we become blind in our thinking. Peter says it this way in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 9, whoever lacks these qualities, and he's just talked about adding to your faith virtue, your virtue, knowledge, knowledge, self-control, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. He says, whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his sins. Peter says it's possible for a Christian to live his life and to live in such a way that he has forgotten that he's blind, forgotten the cleansing and the salvation that God has provided. It's important to remember because the consequences of forgetting are so serious. What are you remembering? All right, well, Brother John, you're talking to me about the importance of remembering and the discipline of remembering the great things God has done. What are some things that God has given us in order to pursue that? because it's not just about sitting down and concentrating on what God has done for us. There are some avenues, there are some ways in which we can intentionally remember the great things God has done. Let me share some of those with you. Some intentional ways that I can remember what God has done in a way that pleases and honors Him. And the first of those is reading and hearing God's Word. Reading and hearing God's Word. You know, for years, people have felt guilty about not reading the Bible enough. And maybe we need to feel guilty about that, but we also need to think about the why of reading God's Word. Maybe you already know what the book of Mark teaches. Maybe you've read it dozens of times. That's a wonderful thing. But there are things that we all forget and need to be reminded of. And there is a need for a consistent and a disciplined reading and hearing of God's word in our lives, lest we forget. 
In 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, Peter was writing to his brethren and he says, my job, my task, Peter says, is to remind you of these qualities. Though you know them and you're established in them, I think it right though, as long as I'm in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder. Part of what preaching and teaching God's word is all about is reminding people of what we already know. Why? Because remembering is part of faith. He who is mighty has done great things for me. It's in the past and it's worthy of remembrance. It's worthy of emulation. Next, how can we remember? God's given us this avenue. We can sing about him and sing about his works. Singing is a neglected discipline among the people of God these days. I'm really convinced of that. We are to be a singing people. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing hymns or sing praises. James chapter 5 and verse 13. In Psalm 98 verse 1, oh sing to the Lord a new song. Why? Because, past tense, he has done marvelous things. What's the psalmist saying we ought to do? We ought to sing praises about the marvelous things that God has done. To God be the glory, great things he has done. We're to be a singing people. In Isaiah 12, verses 5 and 6, sing praises to the Lord. He has done gloriously, past tense. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion. God wants his people to sing about the great things that he has done. You remember in Acts 16 when Paul and Silas were cast into jail? They hadn't done anything wrong. They just delivered a little girl from an unclean spirit and they were thrown in jail because somebody lost some money in that exchange. And Paul and Silas, as they sat in that Roman dungeon, they were found singing. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. What's that all about? Why is that being mentioned? Why does the Bible want to shine a spotlight on Paul and Silas singing in a Roman jail? Because it's important to remember. It's a part of our faith to sing about the great things that God has done for us. Another avenue, the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper has gotten a lot noisier, hasn't it, over the last couple of weeks. We're all opening our bags and we're pulling the little tab off, the, um, off the, the top. I had a preacher friend that told me, I may have mentioned this, forgive me if I did, preacher friend that told me that there were some in the congregation where he was working that apparently during all of the lockdowns had not yet figured out that there was actually a piece of bread on the top of those, those little containers. And so he said, I guess they've just been observing half the Lord's Supper all this time. I don't know. <laughs> but there is bread there. It, kind of like bread anyway. <laughs> but what is the Lord's Supper? When you stop and think about it, the Lord's Supper is just like the Lincoln Memorial. We build the Lincoln Memorial in, in Washington, D.C. to remember a man, to remember his legacy, to remember what he did for our country. The Lord's Supper is a memorial to what Jesus has done for us, to remember his death and its significance. This is my body, which is for you, he says. Do this in remembrance of me. This is my blood of the new covenant, this cup. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 
God wants us to remember, and it's so important that he wants us to do this on the first day of every week. It's important to connect in our minds what we're doing with what Jesus did on the cross. How can we remember? Prayer. Praying with praise and thanksgiving. Say to God, the psalmist says, how awesome are your deeds, so great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. The psalmist spent time thinking about the great works of God and then he prayed about them and he encourages you to pray about them. In Romans 11 verse 33, as Paul was writing about the great salvation plan that God has unleashed in Jesus Christ, he says, he just breaks out into praise. Oh, the depth of the riches of both the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Why does he say that? He says that because he's thinking about what God has done for us in saving us through Jesus Christ. And all he can do is praise and exclaim and pray about the greatness of God's mercy and his works. How can we remember? We can teach others. We can recount God's ways and God's works to others. In Psalm 78 verse 4, You shall not hide them from your children, but tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. Don't keep them to yourself. Talk to others about his works and about his greatness and about his deeds. How can we remember? We are to remember the great things that God has done for us. There are many different avenues by which we can do this. In Mark 5, verse 19, when Jesus healed a man who had a legion of demons, he said, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy upon you. Go and talk to others about what he's done. Remembering. Third, what specifically should we remember? You've been talking a lot this morning about remembering, John, and how essential it is to our faith. What are some things that all of us need to focus on? This is not an exhaustive list, but I want you to think about five areas in which we ought to give some attention to our faith and remembering what God has done. Area number one, the love of God. It's easy to start feeling kind of alone and it's easy to start feeling like we've been forgotten until we remember the great love of God. In John 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world in this manner, to this degree that he sent, he gave his only begotten son. In Ephesians 3, verses 17 through 19, I've always been fascinated that Paul prayed for his brethren that they might know and comprehend the incomprehensible love of Christ. He wanted them to be filled with the fullness of God. He wanted them to remember the love of God in their lives. Don't forget, wherever you go, whatever you do, don't forget that God loves you. And he loves you so much that there's no price he would not be willing to pay so that you could come to him. The promises of God. I appreciated Joe's prayer a little while ago when he talked about and mentioned the great promises that God has made to us. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, Peter calls them exceedingly great and precious promises. In Hebrews 10, verse 23, let's hold fast our confession of faith without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. God has said some things to us about our future. 
but he has said those things in the past. And we believe that what he said is true and reliable, and we believe that those things will come to pass. What should we not forget? The providence of God. I believe that more Christians need to think and put their trust in the providence of God. We believe, because the Bible tells us so, that God causes all things to work together for good. For those who love him, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Romans 8 verse 28. We believe that if we ask anything, we believe that he hears us according to his will. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14. And a lot of our calculations and decisions are made in life without a proper attention being given to the providence of God. That's why James says in James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17, make sure you say, if the Lord wills. If the Lord wills, we believe in the providence of God. What should we remember? The salvation of God. Paul would regularly go back and talk about what Jesus Christ had done for him. He would regularly go back and talk about how God had mercy on him and God saved him from his sins. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, remember Peter talked about how people had forgotten their salvation. In Acts 13, verse 47, there is salvation that has been brought to the Gentiles and the Jew alike by what God has done for us. Salvation. And then the judgment of God. The judgment of God is in the future but God has spoken about it and warned about it in the past. And he wants us to make our decisions and make our choices with a view to the fact that Jesus is coming again and the word that he has spoken will judge us at the last day, John 12, verse 48. The judgment of God. Don't forget about that. Let us remember those things because in remembering those things, it gives a fuel and a vibrancy and a reality to a faith that pleases him. Don't forget to remember, in all of your plans and all of your challenges and all of your busy lives, don't forget the great things that God has done. The greatest thing God has ever done is sending his son Jesus to die for you and to die for me. And you can respond to him this morning in loving, submissive obedience Believe in him, confess his name, repent of your sin, and be baptized. When someone is baptized, they come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, a relationship with God. If you're ready to make that decision this morning, if we can help you by praying for you, won't you come all together? We stand and while we sing.